Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. Do you want to have a baby? That's a question we ask ourselves a lot as women. And what amount of pain would you endure to do so? What happens when a group of over 200 women experience immense pain 
during egg retrieval and their pain is ignored. And come to find out the nurse was stealing fentanyl and replacing it with saline. No, this isn't the beginning of a horror movie. This is real life. And this happened to women just like me and you. Today, I am interviewing Susan Burton, whose latest project is titled The Retrievals. It's a podcast series from Serial Production and The New York Times. She is an accomplished author, former editor of Harper's. She graduated from Yale and has so much to share on this topic. I came across Susan's podcast by simply just clicking it and starting to listen to it. It is captivating. It goes into such detail, interviewing 11 to 12 women who went through all of this and have the exact same story. And what's interesting about Susan Burton's take on this is she is a former Yale graduate, and all of this took place at Yale Medical Clinic. Now, our health is a big deal to us, right? All of us. Well, you can imagine going to a place like Yale Medical Clinic, you would think everything's going to be taken care of. They know exactly what they're doing. That wasn't the case. Listening to this podcast, I felt wildly uncomfortable, and I still get chills from it. How every woman that she interviewed had almost an identical story. They experienced immense pain, unbearable pain, and no one took them seriously. In some cases, they put a wet rag on their heads and were told they'd be fine. There is so much to this. So let's hear from the journalist who reported on this story. Without further ado, here is my interview with Susan Burton. And I am here with Susan Burton. Susan... I truly mean it is such an honor to be talking to you today. I am a huge fan of your podcast, The Retrievals, and so much of your work. Now, for those who, because we're going to be discussing egg retrieval and certain things, I just wanted to ask some generalized questions in the beginning so we can all get on the same page and we all understand what we're discussing. Obviously, you are not a physician, but you have interviewed a lot of them and interviewed a lot of people who have gone through the egg retrieval process. So would you mind? explaining just generally what that process entails? For sure. Yes. And and first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm really thrilled to be talking to you. So, so the egg retrieval process, right? So it's part of fertility treatment. And when you start fertility treatment, you know, you do a bunch of different things. Most of them are like toward the goal of getting your body to produce eggs. And so you, you know, you spend days, you know, giving yourselves, giving yourself shots, going to the clinic you're working with, getting your blood drawn, getting scans. And when everything is ready, like when when your body has produced enough, you know, good looking follicles, when it seems like it's time for the doctor to retrieve them, that's when the egg retrieval comes in. So you give yourself an important shot called a trigger shot, usually 34 and a half hours before the retrieval. It's like really precisely timed. And then you go to the clinic you're working with and the eggs are are retrieved from your body using like a really long needle, 16-inch needle attached to like an ultrasound probe. Like if you've ever had a transvaginal ultrasound, the needle's attached to that probe. And that probe goes, it's like inserted, it goes into your vagina, it goes through the vaginal wall, it goes into the ovary, and then it retrieves as the there's like a little suction thing that suctions out as many eggs as you have. That's that's basically how it works. It sounds like a wildly painful process, right? That we've all all heard of and many have experienced. And typically in 2019 and 2020, what was the type of numbing medication used? 
So at this clinic, at the Yale Clinic, they used during, yeah, during 2019-2020, they used a combination of pain meds, typically fentanyl, which is fentanyl, which we all know about. It's an opioid. It treats pain. And then midazolam. And midazolam is sedative. It relaxes you, reduces anxiety. It can, you know, have like, it can make you forget. And this was a combination of drugs. This combination of drugs was used for for years and years. But by 2019, it was not as typical for this procedure. By 2019, based on the reporting I've done, I'd say that something more standard for egg retrievals would have been propofol, like a, a deeper sedation. And so this this protocol that this clinic at Yale was using was relatively light for this procedure. Right. Okay. And so, you know, Yale Medical Clinic made the decision not to use propofol yet to continue to just use the drugs it had been using. And on top of that, your story and fascinating reporting, we learned that a nurse at the Yale Med- Medical Clinic was substituting saline for fentanyl. So not only was it already not the most, I I guess I think one of one of the women you interviewed said she was more sedated for her dental surgery than for this highly invasive surgery. So if that shows anything, this is such a fascinating story and you cover it so well. I just for a moment need to tell you how incredibly captivated I was by your telling of this of the and reporting on this. And this incident happened to over 200 people. Right. So some even stopping the treatment while it happened because they could not take the pain. What was it like interviewing so many women who had an identical story and knowing that nothing was done about it? I mean, I think that, you know, the thing that you just said, like these women who had an identical, these women with identical stories, that was that was one of the most striking things. So when I started doing the interviews, right, like like. I didn't right I didn't know that everybody's story was going to be so similar in so many ways. I knew that that I was going to be interviewing a bunch of women who all believed that they had had this experience, right? That they who all believed that their fentanyl had been swapped out with saline by this nurse, but the echoes in their stories were so profound. And I think I think a couple things jumped out at me, a couple of those echoes besides just the excruciating pain. One was the experience of reporting pain and feeling that they'd been dismissed or not believed. And then the other thing that was so striking that I hadn't expected was that everybody, or or most, I should say, most of the people I interviewed came up with a story to explain their pain. So several women I spoke to came up with the explanation like, oh, I must not be sensitive to fentanyl. Like, it's so weird. It doesn't work on me. And so not only that people came up with stories, but the similarities in those stories. And then, you know, oftentimes the women blamed themselves, like the blame was on their own bodies. And I think that when you're going into fertility treatment, again, not across the board, but, but it can, a lot of women go into it feeling like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying to have a baby. I can't have a baby. My body is inadequate. So if you go into it with these feelings already of inadequacy or deficiency, then that feeling of pain when you hadn't expected it becomes another, another, you know, another something that feeds into this pre-existing story that you're already telling yourself about your body. Right. It's another thing that they're doing wrong by feeling the pain. They're blaming themselves and second guessing themselves and their sense of self. 
myself. That's what I really got from all these interviews with these women is they were just they've lost their sense of self in all of this. And instead of anyone double checking, you know, what doses they were given or, you know, maybe all of these over 200 women saying they're in pain, something something's going wrong. It was each woman individually telling themselves that they were again at fault for something. And I think we as women tend to do that in all aspects of our lives. We can easily be considered a hysterical person or it can be hormonal, especially, you know, medically with these women who are giving themselves hormones and things of that nature. So, you know, we underact and we keep quiet just to out of fear for being considered a hysterical. And you have an interesting take on the word hysteria. You you talk about it in, in your podcast. And I had no idea it was the Greek word for uterus and that it actually stems from that. So that's fascinating. The thing also that struck me in this is how how does a company like Yale Medical Clinic, and I know you actually went to Yale as well, right? Is mm-hmm. is that something that drew you to the story? Is that why you wanted to tell this story or research it? I mean, I think that Yale, it, it definitely was a factor for me. I mean, I think even in coming across the story to begin with, like the way I came across the story was I was just like, you know, looking at my phone one night and it was, <laughs> and I have Chrome on my phone and Chrome has like the discover feature and like a local Connecticut news story about this clinic. It was, it was like seven patients. It was November, 2021, seven patients had just filed a lawsuit against Yale. Right. So it was like a little local news article about, about this lawsuit. And I think part of the reason it came up in my was, you know, Yale plus women's pain plus addiction. Like it was, it was sort of the a host of things that I think a bunch about. But then I think I was drawn to the setting. You know, I was immediately interested just, just when you can sort of imagine yourself into that, into that landscape. I, I think that was part of it for me. But, but also, you know, the fact that this happened at Yale, an institution with such real and symbolic power was, was really, was really interesting to me. Of course, you know, you think you are put investing and putting your family's future at a company that is so highly regarded that you wouldn't have to worry about anything like this happening. And that is re- really what makes this story so fascinating. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S O 
O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now, I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae, and they are both so <laughs> delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. we're back. From your perspective, how and why do you think only one nurse truly was able to take control over the the dosages given and all I mean how does one individual have control of all the drugs being distributed at a facility? I mean, I think there are a lot of questions 
about what went wrong in a systems way. So this nurse, her name is Donna. She had varying responsibilities for the drugs at the clinic over the course of her employment there. At one stage, she was one of the people tasked with driving to a local Walgreens to pick (laughs) up fentanyl for procedures, which just, you know, it sounds bizarre, right? Even if you've never worked in a healthcare setting. And and it is is a very unusual practice, right, to, to do it that way. I I don't know enough about why the decision was made to do it that way. Later, the clinic moved to a different location and their their process for procuring the drugs changed. At that new location, this nurse, Donna, was in charge of, of ordering and inventorying controlled substances for the clinic, substances that included fentanyl. So why she was given this oversight, you know, I think I think she was a trusted person. There clearly wasn't somebody looking over. For example, as as part of my reporting, I acquired some handwritten logs of the, you know, controlled substances. Like, you know, when you take one out to give to a patient, you record, you know, how much you take out, you record how much is given. And these logs were like handwritten and really messy. And, And again, even to somebody who doesn't, you know, I don't work in healthcare, but even just looking at the logs, you could kind of see like, oh gosh, these don't look kind of up to, you know, mm. up to the standard you, you'd want. So so right. who was or was not looking at those logs? Like, those are all really big questions. It's really fascinating. And so Donna, we uh, the nurse has a name and we, I just want to fast forward a, a little bit to discuss, you know, once the women found out what was happening. They all, re- they, they just got a letter in the mail from Yale Medical Clinic saying, you know, you may have been a part of this, but we're fully confident that everything was taken care of correctly. Some of them, were able to find empathy for Donna even after what she did for them, which is a fascinating part of our psyche. I, I really felt for some of these women, and these are some highly intellig- intelligent women. You list a bunch of their professions. Yes, so she's a neuroscientist whose research specialty is addiction. So she's, yeah, yeah. So she <laughs> one, she works with it every day, and so she had a, a, a really kind of interesting perspective on the whole situation and was able to find empathy for her and, and view her as an addict. And you know, a lot of people said that her sentencing was really light. Some think it's due to race. And I wonder, you know, from your vastly experienced career, do you what do you what's your take on it personally? Well, let's see. So so as far as the question of of the empathy for the nurse, I mean, I think that a number of the patients who who had empathy for Donna had had empathy for the addiction piece of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the the patient you mentioned, her name is Katie, and she's a neuroscientist whose whose research specialty is addiction. And and her take was like, okay, so you know, research has shown that incarcerating somebody with substance use disorder is not as effective as getting them substance use treatment. So she was she believed that 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 would be a better a better outcome in the criminal justice system for Donna. That said, she didn't, you know, absolve Donna of of personal responsibility for for the choice she made in her addiction. Right. Like like not everybody who's addicted to fentanyl necessarily makes the same choice that 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 this nurse did, you know, and then as far as the sentence so so Donna received a light sentence. Donna faced a sentence of between five and six years in prison. Ultimately, she was sentenced to 
four weekends in prison. They were alternating weekends to align with her custody schedule. She she is the divorced mother of three children. You know, and, and like the the sentence included a provision that she would be you know, she would she would go to her weekends on a Saturday morning and she would get out on Sundays in time to to pick up her kids. So so it was not only that it was a very light sentence, but it was a very convenient one that seemed to be designed to accommodate right. her needs as, as a mother. And, you know, I think even even if you just, you know, read read the news, like I, I think I think we all understand that 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 black women women of color have had children taken away from them for crimes that seem much less large scale than this so i think it was hard not to look at that sentence and think would this sentence have been the same if this one weren't a white woman right and you know it's always really hard to hear that and to feel powerless in doing anything to change it. And I'm just really grateful for your reporting because I think that you are you you choose such phenomenal stories to tell and you tell them so well. Interested to know how do you choose what stories you tell and how do you are are most of them given to you or do you s- seek out certain stories because this is one of those things that I feel like is in the news a lot, but there aren't a lot of examples. It's, you know, it's one person's take on it. This is a a collective group of women who all experience the same thing, all have the exact same story to match. I mean, this is a, it's, it's just truly is fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I really, I, I really just go with what I'm drawn to. (laughs) Like it's Mm. sort of as simple as that. And, and with this story, when I first came across it, I really just wanted to know what happened and how it felt to all mm. involved. Like any of us, I too have had experiences of, of, of something being wrong and not being believed, you know, not, right. not only at, at the doctor's office, right, but in, in other settings too. I think that's a very profound experience, very relatable, and one that like raises powerful feelings. So I do, I do usually, I rarely, sometimes I'll do a story, I guess that's been, that's been assigned to me, but usually I'm just sort of like, I find something I'm drawn to and then sort of head out and explore that. Wow. And what is the amount of time it takes? So the retrievals, it's a six part series, correct? Or that's how many have been released yet. Are there any more coming out? So it's so there's there are five parts. There there was okay. like a little bonus. That's thing what I think of the little during, bonus thing. The yeah. little bonus. I mean, I I don't. I mean, it, the, so right now the these patients, a, a number of these patients are suing Yale. Maybe when something happens with that lawsuit, maybe maybe I do a follow up episode. But but right now those five episodes sort of exist as as like their as, own little world, as their own complete complete unit. But I you know I started. I came across the initial story about this in November 2021 and worked on it, you know, in conjunction with other things until, I guess, a year ago, until August 2022. And then I've basically been full-time on it since August 2022. Yeah. I mean, it it was originally supposed to be just a single episode of This American Life, correct? And then at what point when you were gathering all the information, did you go to them and say, "This this is its own podcast, this is its own story, it's so massive, it can't just be covered in, you know, an hour or so? It was it was March 2022. So it was so let's say so I'd been reporting at that point for like one, two, three, like three, three and a half months in. Mm. By the time I talked to 
the, by that time I talked to maybe 10, 10, maybe a dozen women, but I just, the, I was so struck by the echoes in all of their stories that those stories alone seemed to me to be more than one episode. And that didn't even begin to get into the story of the nurse or the right. stories of what happened to the clinic or, or even the stories of how this, this experience reverberated and changed, reverberated in and changed these patients later on. Yeah, they changed their whole life. And you know, it's interesting because you also talk about how this is an elective procedure. It's considered, egg retrieval is considered an elective procedure. And that seems so fascinating because I don't think, and this is echoing what one of the nurses said that you interviewed too, is it, I don't think it should be considered an elective procedure if it's something required for you to have a baby. And that to me embodies sort of the whole way that these women were treated. Like, well, you're choosing to do this. So, you know, if you, if there's a little bit of extra pain, then just deal with it kind of thing. When making the decision to even go through the egg retrieval process, you've already talked about it with your partner and, you know, all, all of your friends. It's such a huge decision to even begin with. So I think we all collectively know that that needs to change within the healthcare process. I mean, obviously, that's a huge burden to bear, but that shouldn't be existing like that. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. we're back. Is it seven of the women that are suing Yale Medical Clinic? So there were there were seven to start. And now they're, you know, by the time the series was released, there were 68. And there may even be a few more that have joined up or tried to join up wow. since, since the series was released. And have, I know you can't use names, but have any of those women reached out to you now that it's out there in the open and the podcast has is number one on Apple Podcasts? Clear, clearly everyone's listening to it. It's a huge hit. So, but have any of them reached out to you personally since then the the women who are in the story yes yeah i have i have heard from a couple of them which has been great i mean one of the challenges of this reporting was that because this is an ongoing lawsuit i was in touch with the there were 
11 of the 12 women I initially interviewed are plaintiffs in this lawsuit. Mm. And their lawyers were present when we spoke. And their lawyers, like, were not, you know, interventionist in, <laughs> in the interviews. They, when matters of attorney-client privilege came up, that tended to be really the only time they would hop in. But it wasn't, you know, sometimes when you're reporting a story, you're in frequent touch, you know, just a casual back and forth texting with your interviewees. And and because of the boundaries of the situation, I wasn't able to do that. And mm. obviously, these are really sensitive, private, personal stories. And sometimes I felt, you know, like I, I, I wished I could just send like a, hey, how are you? Reach out. Are, are you doing okay? Is this, how, how are you feeling about all this? So anyway, in, in the wake of the podcast, it's it's been really nice to to hear from to hear from some of the women I interviewed. Yeah. And I and have has anyone else reached out to you since as well? Not the women you've interviewed, but other people who have been through this experience or think they may have been a victim of it or just people saying, I experienced this elsewhere. Thank you for telling my story, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, dozens and dozens of those notes. And there are so people, patients, former patients of this Yale clinic, fertility patients elsewhere, and then just people who've had experiences in in all kinds of women's health settings, Mm. you know, tons of IUD insertions, birth trauma. Those to me are some of like the really uh, most upsetting stories. You're so vulnerable to begin with. You're, you know, you're, you're at risk, you know, stories about cervical biopsies, endometrial biopsies, the whole, the whole range of stuff. And a lot of times, you know, these stories, like they're, they're traumas, they're traumas because the pain was so bad and their traumas because of the feeling of of that pain not being acknowledged, mm. it, the, the feeling of not being believed. Yeah. And you guys had mentioned several times white coat syndrome, and this is actually not something I was familiar with. Can you explain what that is to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think so. There's there's a patient who mentions it. You know, she 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 talks about she mentions that she was somebody who never had white coat syndrome before right. this experience, and and now Thank she you. does. So just sort of a fear of of doctors. You know, just sort of like going into a doctor's office and and clenching up or tensing up uh-huh. or, or being being nervous about about what's going to happen to you. It's it's maybe no longer a setting where you feel safe, comfortable, or safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it really is so eye opening, and this story is. So fascinating. I I will say it again. I highly recommend the retrievals. Do you have a new story that you're going to tell after this? What you know, after having such immense success and telling something, and you get so deeply caught up, and and it's so personal. But how do you then move on? How can you let a story go and then move on? I'm sure you, I know you've done it a million times, but some must stick with you a little more than others. Yeah, that's a really good question. It is really hard for me to to transition out of out of something like this. I mean, I felt and still feel really in invested in these issues, but but these specific people and their specific stories and this clinic. And it is hard to to sort of move on from that. And it's also hard to, you know, when you're I think many people have had the experience of of just working constantly on on something and right. then that thing finishes and then you sort of have to transition in into the next thing. It's the letdown from it. It's the letdown and coming to terms with, you know, yeah, letting it go and letting it exist on its own without you. Which is it, it is hard. Yeah, it's difficult. So then do you feel compelled to continue to tell stories about women's health like the the dismissal of women within the health space? I'm definitely thinking about 
other stories in that space that that I might tell. I don't know exactly yet. Mm. So the first, the last episode came out, let's see, less than two weeks ago. Right. But so I might, I yeah, by next month, I might have a better idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're exactly still in that what, transition yeah. period for sure. So after interviewing all these women, hearing the dismissal that they all went through, what do you think is there even a solution to all of this? Is there something we as women can do differently within the the room, within, you know, the discussions with our doctors, within the, the discussions with our partners or each other? How can we be a part of the change in all of this? I think it's a, it's a great question. And when I was, you know, researching the story, I did a bunch of reading about this. And, and most of the time, you know, or a recommendation you frequently see is like, here's, here's how to talk to your doctor. Here's how to advocate for yourself. And I think all of that is super valuable, but it also places the onus on the patient, right? Instead of, instead of changing the system. So, so, you know, I think that it would be terrific if sort of starting from the ground up, if starting like in med school, if, if mm. the, you know, tra- if training can change in, in terms of how to listen to patients, how to deal with situations when uh, a patient has more pain than you might expect, or when you can't explain where a patient is coming from. I think a lot of it starts with training, but I think as a patient, you know, a couple of the things I took away from from the reporting, so two things. So there was one patient who was like, the lesson of this for me is to, you know, trust my own body, my own instincts, my own experience. And I think that was so succinct and so right on. Mm. And to trust, you know, your your, your just your sense when, when something is off. And then I think the other thing is to be able to talk to your doctor and say you're feeling pain, but also to be able to say, say, I feel like I'm not being listened to. I think that that is a really valuable conversation to have, to to make it not only about the feeling in your body, but but the feeling of not being heard in in the way that that you deserve, I think is is really, really important. Yeah. And can be really effective, too. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Thank you so much. There's so many things I want to ask you, but I don't want to waste a ton of your time. I just for one final question, because we do tend to have some younger listeners on this podcast or people who are at that point in their life where they're trying to figure out which way to go, where 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 should they go in their career? What do they want to do? You have accomplished so much in so many different aspects aspects of your life, different types of media and entertainment and reporting. And if you could give one piece of advice to anyone who's sort of, you know, at a crossroads in their life, what would that be? You know, one of one of the things that made the retrievals the success that it has been is that I was working with fantastic collaborators who who very much wanted me to be able to tell the story I wanted to in my own voice and and being mm-hmm. able to find and work with people who who want you to speak with your own voice use your own voice in in whatever setting I think is really wonderful and and it's you know it can be hard to 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 find those people but but when you do it's a pretty magical situation in terms of like advice and and what you can do one other thing i did want to say is like if you're at the gynecologist and you're going to have a procedure or if you're going in for an iud insertion i think it's it, another like really practical thing you can do is say what kind of pain might i experience and what kind of pain management can you offer and what are the different levels of pain management for a procedure i think like just sort of having a conversation with your doctor that involves some like expectation setting and what to anticipate can be a really like practical helpful thing too You know, that's so interesting because 
That's never occurred to me to ask, are there different options than the one you've offered me? Is there an option where there's, you know, more medication, less medication? That is, it puts it in our hands. It puts our own health in our own hands. And sometimes when you are in a doctor's office, you just assume that they know best. But listen to your instincts. Ask about the different types of, you know, procedures that are required. And that thank you for that. That's fascinating. That's amazing. That's That's a really great takeaway from this. Okay, good. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. We're so grateful to you and to your entire team for making such a phenomenal podcast and just starting this dialogue again that really needs to happen. So, Susan, thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful to have you on Directionally Challenged and you truly are very inspiring. So thanks. Oh, well, thank you. That's so nice of you to say. I'm not I'm not just saying it to be nice. I really mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners know that. I, I truly do mean that. So thank you. You know, it's really sad. I think this topic resonates with a lot of us on so many levels, whether you are someone who has been in for an egg retrieval or is considering that or even just anyone who goes to a yearly gynecological visit. We are all so vulnerable within the medical setting in so many different aspects of our lives. And when you factor in that a lot of us aren't really heard, our pain isn't heard, it is, I was going to say really sad, but that doesn't even begin to scrape the surface of this. So I want to thank Susan for reporting on this and starting this conversation. If you haven't yet, please Make sure you listen to The Retrievals wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule. Produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Editing by Diane Kang. Post-production sound by Coco Lawrence. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.